Hey everyone, welcome back to the Spire Podcast. My name is Joel Hargarten. Let's get rolling. This is the second time I've podcasted today. Earlier this morning, I came out with an episode just talking about the new year, what 2020 meant to us, what the fallout was from that, and what we can expect in 2021 as the Democrats assume control. Little did I realize that it was going to be a huge news day that took place. Of course, it seemed recently that every day is a huge news day, especially as we're in the run-up to the inauguration of the next president and still recovering from the aftermath of the election. Earlier this morning, there was a rally in Washington, D.C., led by President Trump himself, and tens of thousands, 100,000 plus, thousands upon thousands of Trump supporters show up for what they called the Stop the Steal event. And they railed against the election outcome. Trump himself railed against election fraud, said this was a huge landslide victory that he had stolen from him, and he accused a number of Republicans of being traitors to the cause, and even called... Vice President Pence a coward for not stepping in as if he could to uh, change the election outcome, as if Vice President Pence has some kind of secret constitutional ability to subvert what the states certify as part of the electoral process. But regardless of that, the huge rally took place, and then President Trump told everybody that he was going to lead the march to Congress, to the Capitol building, which itself would be amazing to think that the sitting president would be walking towards the Capitol and having a huge army of people behind him. Trump himself didn't actually go to the Capitol. Apparently he went to his limousine and he eventually went home. But his supporters continued on. They continued on to the Capitol building. And what started out as just occupying the Capitol steps and chanting and singing, it very quickly, it seems, became more than that as they started pushing against the various barricades that were set up, the, the portable fencing the police had. As the police told them to stay back, the supporters kept pushing and pushing. And we've seen the videos of this, and eventually they broke through the barricades. The police kept backing up, and these protesters were scaling the walls. They were breaking windows. They were moving into the Capitol building itself. Now let's think about that for a moment. The United States Capitol building, the center of our nation, where our government is located, Think of all the history that's happened there over the last 200 plus years. But nothing like this has ever happened there before. Now back in the 1800s, the British were able to burn down the White House at the time. But that was in a time of war. We're not at war in this country. And yet we have an army of people go into our nation's capital and start kicking down the door, breaking things, and storming the castle, so to speak. And it really was an amazing thing to watch. And I was tweeting it out in real time. Now, the first video that I saw was Trump supporters out in front of the Capitol, pushing back with the police. The police are all in their riot gear. They've got their shields. They've got their helmets on. And there's a scuffle taking place as protesters are waving Trump flags and American flags. And it looked very quickly like something bad was going to happen. Because when have you ever seen a Trump protest that actually had violence, that actually had people fighting and, and pushing back against the police. It's not something we're really familiar with seeing. Now, we saw that consistently throughout the summer as various Black Lives Matter or Antifa groups got together and would scuffle with the police and would go through the cities and loot and pillage and burn. So it's not like we're not accustomed to protests and certainly not accustomed to the left excusing those protests. But we've always been able to say that on the right, That's not how we behaved. That isn't how we acted in public. And we always had a higher standard that we set for ourselves. Well, that is out the window now, because what happened today was just amazing. It was unbelievable to watch unfold. Once inside the Capitol building, of course, with today's technology, we could see all the video streaming in in 
real time. We saw people taking selfies. We saw people posing, people continually pushing back the police and barricades. And as they got into the building, they did seem to slow down. It seemed like they were taking their time looking around. And I tweeted out that maybe it was just starting to dawn on some of the people, the people who showed up angry, the people who showed up ready to do something and then did something. I wonder if it dawned on them when they entered that historic building and they looked around and realized, perhaps they were there for the first time, but they realized, what did I just do? Did I really just break into the U.S. Capitol building? And maybe some people had those second thoughts, but it certainly didn't seem to stop them. Now, I want to note that there were thousands and thousands of protesters out in front of the Capitol. It's clear that only a handful, a hundred, a couple hundred, maybe as many as a thousand, if that, actually entered the Capitol building. So it's not like it was deluged with tens of thousands of people. But it was clear that they came in force and they came ready to push. They came ready to fight. And in some respects, you should have seen this coming because we've seen people fight all throughout the summer, like I said. It's always been on the other side. But then again, you have a number of people who have been told and believe that their country is on the abyss. They believe that they're running out of options. They're very loyal to President Trump, and they see the writing on the wall that he's not going to continue to be president after Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th. So these are people who are becoming desperate. These are people who are without other options or recourse. And for many of these people, it seems like this is the most important thing in their life. And maybe they have other things in their life that aren't as fulfilling. They don't have passions in the same way other people do. So maybe this is what they use to give their life meaning and purpose. But it was very clear that these people were ready to go. And there was a lot of talk in the coming days about using the military option or the need to march on Washington and do some of the things that were done back in the Revolutionary War period or in the Civil War period. And so looking back, hindsight could be said as 2020. But like I said before, there was not evidence in previous Trump rallies that it ever became violent. And more often than not, they were very proud of themselves it never came to that. But they eventually made their way into the chambers of the, the Senate, where they were in session previously, where they were actually certifying the election. They had to cancel that, and we had the scene of the politicians on video being evacuated. Vice President Pence was evacuated. And the look was very bad from the beginning. Just the idea that your nation's capital could somehow be under siege is just an unbelievable thing to think about. And it's truly an anti-American thing because, well, how can it not be? I mean, how can anybody say that marching on the U.S. Capitol building is somehow in reference to America? Because it really isn't. But as it continued on for several hours, we saw the selfies being posted. We saw the, the people going through the various offices, kicking their feet up in Nancy Pelosi's chair, uh, looking into her emails on her computer, there didn't seem to be a ton of destruction taking place other than superficially with windows. It's not like they were going through and destroying the various statues or graffitiing the hallways or setting things on fire. So none of that took place, thankfully. But they were a riotous bunch that did look very intimidating. And they certainly should not have been there. They broke the laws and they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, we cannot be allowing this to take place without any repercussion. It even escalated to the point where somebody got shot. A poor woman from San Diego who apparently was a 14-year veteran in the Air Force. She got shot in the neck by what we are told was a police officer's weapon. He fired it off into the crowd for whatever reason. Apparently he felt like he was being attacked and someone was being the aggressor near him and the gun went off. But this poor woman was struck in the neck and she ended up dying two hours later. She bled out in essence and they couldn't save her. 
And now we have reports coming in from the police that three additional people died of their injuries who also were brought to the hospital. So you have a total of four people dead from this event. And this is an event that will forever be remembered by people as the day that the Washington Capitol was stormed. Images of people climbing up the walls, breaking down the windows, pushing back the police, the poor woman's graphic death being recorded on video and broadcast over social media. These are images that are not going to go away. And the fallout from this is going to be huge. So all in all, a very sad, tragic event, one that never should have happened, but it's one that has far-reaching implications for everybody. So what was it that caused this event to happen? What was it that was the spark for this? And one of the first things that I tweeted out this morning was, it's like somebody struck a match near a fuse. And there's been a lot of pressure building up. The year 2020 was a horrible year, as I said in my previous podcast episode. Things happened in that year that have changed the fabric of America. It's changed who we are. Because there was a time we'd look back and say, well, these things could never happen in America, or these things only happen in different countries. There was supposed to be something about us that made us different, that made us aspire to be better. Well, all that has changed, and it started with 2020, with the lockdowns, it started with people losing their pressure valves, people losing sports, people losing clubbing, people losing the ability to go to restaurants or have nice things out in public, interacting with their friends and family. When that was taken away, there's something about humanity that you lose, because humans are a social creature, and once you remove that outlet, that, that way to express your frustrations, you start to change as a person. You start to be more prone to acting out violently and aggression. And that's the primary thing we saw here. These people were angry. They stormed the castle because they were angry. They were ready to to kick down the door when they got there. And they certainly heard a lot of uh, incendiary comments from the president at the rally. We'll get to that in a moment. But they were ready to go. And that anger has been festering in this nation for the entire last year and now into 2021. So that's the the primary root cause. But then you saw all these things happen during the summer. You saw race riots. You saw cities being looted and burned and nobody doing anything about it. You saw parts of this nation seemingly change as the history is torn down, statues and monuments being destroyed, and nobody stopping it, nobody stepping in. And you just you had a feel that your entire nation was slipping away and things were falling. So it's only natural that people were going to get angry. But then it became even worse when the election happened. And you had so many people who were just not prepared for Trump to lose this election. They were not prepared, even though it was an extreme possibility. We all even thought it was probable when it happened. Uh, Even before, with all the polls that were being shown, whether you believe them or not, it was certainly, I think, an uphill battle for most people who looked at it with, with open, honest eyes. But at the end of the day... Uh, when the election took place and the way that it happened, the way that Trump was ahead and then the voting stopped and then all of a sudden Biden was ahead and then Biden had these incredible numbers of votes unlike anybody had ever seen before, a lot of people were done with this. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And then you've had this movement on the right and Trump himself has been whipping it up trying to say that this was a landslide election that was stolen from him that he had more votes than anybody in history, and that this is just an unfair thing. And he said this throughout the entire course of the day, and certainly the last week since the election. And if you believe that, if you believe that fair elections in this nation are done, in addition to all the other things you're seeing happening in this country, you're going to be angry, you're going to be desperate, and you're going to be more than ready to lash out. And I think that's what we saw today. It was just too much to handle, the pressure built up, and then everything exploded. I think everyone expected some kind of a a protest rally 
I mean, the president himself has been inviting people to come out on his behalf to help stop the steal, to try to pressure Congress to change the certified election results that the states have sent to them. And in many ways, it seemed like it was just a matter of time before something happened. But something like this to happen, it was pretty amazing. And it started with the Trump rally. And let's be honest here. Trump has a big part to play in this. If you have people, like I said, who are angry, who are desperate, and you stand in front of the crowd and you rail on for over an hour about how things were stolen from them, how people around you are traitors, how the Republicans are unwilling to do anything. He even called Mike Pence, his own vice president, a coward today for not standing up and, and stopping the, the certification of the election, as if Vice President Pence has some kind of secret constitutional ability to subvert the certified election results that the states give to him. I mean, what kind of an expectation is that? You're only loyal if you somehow change the, the state's elections results. I mean, if the vice president ever had that power, could you imagine even trying to have a fair election? I mean, why didn't Joe Biden, when he was Obama's vice president, just change everything and give it to Hillary? Just stand up and say, well, there was Russian interference, this is a bogus election, Hillary's now president. So, obviously, there was never anything Pence could do about it, but here Trump is, again, whipping up his base in anger against the Republicans, against Pence, and he's telling them that this is an unfair election, and not only did he win, he won big, bigger than anyone ever had. And so he's whipping everybody up, and then he gets on this, this tangent about going to the Capitol building, and he sets everybody on this path, and then he kind of just fades away and, and, and leaves the area. But he set the angry people, the angry mob, he pointed them in a direction and he set them loose. So let's not sit here and pretend as if Donald Trump did nothing to stop this. In fact, in many ways, he started it by getting everybody there, telling them the election was stolen in ways that are unbelievable, that are totally impactful to the point you'll never have a fair election again, and then send everybody who's angry on their way towards the Capitol where all of the, the House members and, and senators are. Yeah, Trump has a big part to play in this. And now four people are dead, and they're dead, and in part Trump is responsible for that. He's not the only person responsible for that. People make their own decisions. The poor woman did enter the Capitol building when she shouldn't have. She did follow a mob who was uh, aggressively entering the United States Capitol building. And so it's not like she was completely without fault or guilt. I mean, did she deserve to be shot? No. No, but you have to expect that if you're going to penetrate that deeply into the Capitol, you're going to have to expect resistance. In fact, it was a couple hours before it happened when I was watching the, the various uh, aggressive movements taking place in the video that we were seeing that I tweeted out that they needed to stop. They needed to not go any further or someone was going to get shot. And, of course, that ended up happening and the poor woman lost her life. But then again, as it was happening, and we saw that the escalation was taking place, Trump should have done more to stop it. He tweeted out a couple things. I took a screenshot of this. He's simultaneously tweeting out that the election is being stolen from him and that the Republicans aren't doing enough to stop it from happening. And then in the very next tweet, he's saying, oh, but you should stay away from the police. We support law and order. Everybody be peaceful. And so he's kind of talking at a both sides of his mouth there, telling everybody to be really upset, but then telling them not to, to fight or be incredibly peaceful about this rather than being aggressive about this. But then things continue on because I'm sure people are not checking Twitter while they're uh, destroying property and breaking into the Capitol building. 
But later on, about an hour plus into the incursion, Trump cuts a video and puts it on Twitter. And in the video, he does tell everybody to, to go home, to be remain peaceful and, and not to, uh, to destroy anything. But he starts that video out by, again, saying that, yes, there was a great election. Yes, it was stolen from me. Yes, this was a landslide election that they've overturned and taken away from us. Bo, but, you know, you should actually go home and be peaceful about this. So, I mean, what a way to calm people down. Let's calm the angry masses by, again, reminding them why they're angry, why they're justified to be angry, but then tell them not to do anything about it. I mean, if you're that desperate and you are that uh, believing that all is lost and there are no other options, you're going to do extreme things. And you would, too, if you felt that way. But Trump isn't the only one to blame for this. I mean, anybody who participated in the actions that took place in the year 2020, who enabled violent behavior, who let people who engaged in violent rioting get off without any punishment, those people also have a lot to answer for. Because violence begets violence. When you allow one to happen, don't be surprised if the other happened. If you let one side grow strong and become violent, don't be surprised if the other side does the same and rises to the challenge. Because the aggressor sets the rules of the engagement. And because there has been aggressiveness from the left for the past year, not just in terms of policy, not just in terms of rhetoric, but actually in terms of physical violence, it should not be shocking when the other side responds in kind. And this is the problem you get into. It becomes a death spiral where both sides keep pushing, one rises to the other, and eventually you end up destroying each other. You end up tearing this country apart. You end up destroying everything that we supposedly held in common. And that's the path that we're set on. It is a path that will lead to our destruction as a nation. So all the enablers of 2020 are also to blame for this, whether in the media, politicians, or just your average citizens who look the other way and and approved of a certain level of violence. They're at fault. The protesters, of course, are at fault. I mean, they're the primary ones. They're the ones who actually did the effort. I mean, I saw a video of these clowns marching into United States Capitol building, carrying the Confederate flag, that rebel flag that during the Civil War never could have made its way into the Capitol building. 100-plus years later, 150-plus years later, finally made its way into that building. And to me, that was truly a sickening display. There's always some moron who shows up with that flag in an attempt to prove some kind of point, but ends up destroying the movement that he's a part of and ruining it for everybody else. But the things that they have done today, it's going to have ramifications for all of us going forward. And I'll get to what I think that is in a minute. But first, I just want to talk about this myth going around, this idea that These weren't really Trump supporters. This was Antifa. This was Black Lives Matter. Somehow these groups infiltrated the Trump protests and they're the ones who went out and they're the ones who caused all the trouble all in an attempt to make the Trump supporters look bad. And that's an idea that is attractive to a lot of people because a lot of people don't want to see the badness on their own team. They just want to look at their team and say, well, my team does the right things. If there's a problem, it must be the bad guys. It must be the enemy, the other team that's the cause of it. And that would be an easy explanation because then you could wash your hands clean of this kind of an event because you realize how bad it looks. You realize that this is going to be a stain on you and your movement going forward for the longest of time. And that's a nice thought to have. And maybe if life were simple, you could explain things away in the same, in the same manner. But it isn't how things work. 
every time they put up a person and a video from one of these pictures, like the guy with the horns or the various people who supposedly have Antifa tattoos or the people dressed in black, they'll sit there and they'll say things like, well, look at this, I found a picture of him over here. Oh, here he is at a Black Lives Matter rally. Here he is in an Antifa protest. Oh, well, clearly these are just entrenched agents that are there to make everything look bad. But the more you dig into it, you realize these are all Trump supporters. They're actually well-known Trump supporters within the community. Uh, it's it's clear and obvious from the different uh, screenshots that are not cropped, that are not drawn over, that these are, in fact, Trump supporters. They're these QAnon people. They're uh, people who are associated with either white supremacist groups or some form of, of neo-Nazi group. And they came looking for trouble. They came wanting to to cause trouble. And boy, did they cause trouble. But in doing so, whatever their goals were, maybe they had goals that were different than the movement's goals. Maybe they had ideas or purposes in doing this that actually were strategic or this lashing out of anger. Who can say? Who can tell why people do stupid things? But what the aftermath is going to be is going to be very serious for all of us. And it couldn't have come at a worse time because here you have the Democrats. They just won the Senate yesterday. They've already got the House. They're just taking over the presidency on January 20th. They're consolidating power in a governmental fashion. And now you've given them the greatest gift they could have because you've shown yourselves to be an extremist group that they'll call dangerous. They'll start demanding a clamp down on dangerous rhetoric. They'll start demanding uh, restrictions on various kinds of protests lest things get out of hand again. You're going to lose the ability to, to show up and, uh, and try to influence different policies because people will be afraid of what, of what you might do. And they'll always point back to these videos. They'll always point back and say, well, the Trump protests, initially, maybe they weren't so violent, but look what happened there. Look what it became. And they're going to start finding ways to remove alternative points of view, and they're going to label them as dangerous and extremist. And they're going to have all the justification in their minds in order to enact these policies. And we're already seeing it take place because apparently they've suspended the president's Twitter account. They're demanding that he delete two separate tweets before they open it up again. I have no doubt that after he's no longer president, they're just going to delete the entire account and take it away from him. They'll say he violated the terms of service about incendiary rhetoric, and they're going to take it away from him. He's already been suspended on Facebook now. They're going to start purging the different accounts across social media who back him and support him and support the events that take place. And they're going to do all of this again in the name of safety. They're going to do all of this again in the name of security. And that's worked so well for them with the coronavirus lockdowns. They're going to keep singing that tune, and they're going to do everything they do, they'll tell us, it's going to be for our own good. And they're going to start making life really hard for people who want to oppose them. And they'll have all the power to do it. I mean, they're going to have a filibuster removed. They're going to be able to enact anything they want just by getting all the Democrats along. And you better believe every Democrat who was there in the Capitol today is going to vote to restrict and protect from these kind of things again because they were in the building they saw themselves being evacuated, and I'm sure they were thinking, what in the world is going on? So they'll have every incentive in addition to their own liberal points of view and their extremist power grab uh, ideals that they have to enact these policies, to put in these rules, and make life really hard for the rest of us. So it couldn't have come at a worse time, because just as the Democrats are getting into office and and they, they've been looked at like, well, maybe they're going to be a little moderate first. Maybe they're going to try to heal the nation. Well, all, all bets are off now. They're going to try to go after everybody uh, in a harsh manner, and they're going to make it clear that they're doing it to protect the rest of us. The fallout for this will be felt for years to come. Years. Because up to this point, you've never really had something that could be pointed to on the right 
that was the equivalent of what the left always engages in. The left always engages in some kind of violence or some kind of intimidation, and they've done for a long time. And Republicans have always had the high ground because they've never been a part of that. They've never gone that far. I mean, Democrats would label Republicans as being part of the KKK or or part of the Jim Crow era or somehow in favor of the Confederacy. Well, all of those people in history, the actual people, were all Democrats. And so Republicans weren't even part of any of that, and yet they were labeled that way. But now they have video. They have documented evidence. They have uh, terrible images they can put on the screen to scare everybody into saying how evil, how dastardly, how horrible Republicans are because they tried to breach the Capitol in the very heart of democracy of the world. How dare they want to overthrow such a prestigious thing and the left will wash their hands of it and they'll abhor the violence and forever from this point forward the right will be painted with this brush, painted with this picture. No matter what you do or say, they will always fall back to this. And yes, I understand the media has always hated us. The media will always paint conservatives with that brush. They'll always call us racists and and bigots and homophobes, and they'll accuse us of the worst of all things. But we don't need to give them ammo. We don't need to be this stupid to go out and actually make it real in everybody's mind. And that's what's happened now. I mean, you have a Republican Party that already was at the brink. You have a party now that is likely to not be in power for any meaningful time to come. You have a Republican Party that might even just dissolve. And it's happening at the worst possible time. Because as the left gains all of the power, they already have the culture, and now they have the reins of government, there is no opposition to them. And this nation ends very quickly if there's no opposition to the radical forces inside of it. And that's the biggest problem. So what happened here today was out of anger. What happened here today was short-sighted. What happened here today is something that we're going to feel the ramification of for the longest time. I mean, how many people are saying things like, this is the worst day I've witnessed in America outside of 9-11? And in many ways, they're right. People are dead, and they shouldn't be. The Capitol building was harmed, and it shouldn't have been. Violence took place in the nation's capital and never should have gotten that far. Never should have happened. There's a lot of people who got to own up to what happened. Nobody will. But who's responsible, I think, is clear. And what we do from this point forward, we're going to have to figure out together. All I can tell you, though, right now is that violence is not the answer. God is in charge. God will bless those who are humble before him, those who look to him for help and for salvation. And God is our rescue. There isn't a single man that we trust in. There isn't anything we trust in outside of God, outside of principles, and the idea of liberty. Those are the things we put our value in. So I think that covers it for now. We'll see what happens in the fallout of this. But until then, stay safe, stay optimistic, stay prayerful, and look to God for help and salvation. Thanks, everyone. May God bless.